From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Do you ever feel like you just cannot extract yourself from the weeds of your business? You're just always stuck doing the small things and the medium things and the large things, and you just don't know how to pass this stuff off. You don't know how to replace yourself. This, I think, is the eternal problem for so many entrepreneurs. I certainly feel it. I do way too many of the small things. And it's not like I'm lacking for help. I actually have some help. I just cannot figure out how to hand it all off. And what are you supposed to do here? Well, I recently heard from a guy who has some pretty good answers to this. Hi, I'm Richard Metcalf. I'm an Englishman in Paris. And actually, scrap that. That's not relevant. But it's fun color, so I'm keeping it. Anyway, Richard can try again. Hi, my name is Richard Metcalf. I'm what you get if you were to mix a McKinsey consultant, a slightly unorthodox pastor, and an entrepreneur and put them into a blender. That is more relevant and more colorful, actually. Anyway, here's why I wanted to talk to Richard. After a career in strategy consulting and in the tech sector at Cisco Systems, I really realized that the thing that really got me excited was helping high-performing leaders reinvent their own success formula to have more impact. And Richard reached out to me with perhaps the most comprehensive pitch that anyone has ever sent me to get on this show. It was like fully formed right down to four different possible episode titles, including Extracting Yourself from Operations to Lead More Strategically, The Executive's Productivity Paradigm, Four Uncommon Insights to Free Yourself Up from Low-Value Tasks and Be More Strategic, And finally, how to free yourself up from low-value tasks to be more strategic. And as I record this right now, I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to title this podcast, but I think that we all hear those and say, yes, that is me. I want to know how to do that. How do I extract myself from operations and lead more strategically? How do I stop being so busy working in my business that I don't have time to work on my business? And... Richard has a whole bunch of answers to this. Uh, In fact, they were right there in this outline that he sent me on the kind of conversation that we could have if I had him on my show. (laughs) And uh, there were were four in particular, and we're going to talk about them. His solutions are to stop trying to free up time, examine your beliefs first, acceleration, not speed, and work the room. What do those mean? Well, when I read them, I had to know more. And so Richard and I hopped on the phone. And now, you get to hear them too, because this really is very useful. It is great mind shifts, great ways to think differently about the work that you do and the value that you get out of it and how you can start doing what you really need to do, how you can start leading the way that you really need to lead, the way that you can start to use your time to its greatest impact. It is not in doing all the little things in the weeds. You know that. I know that. We already know that. Now we have to know how to get out of it. Coming up after the break. No one succeeds alone. Even the best entrepreneurs know when it's time to bring in an outside expert. With Upwork, you can find top developers, designers, project managers, and more who can start today so your business can succeed tomorrow. You can check work samples, client reviews, and more to make sure you're hiring the right pro for your business, and there's no cost until you hire. 
Plus, you only pay for work you approve. Whether you're looking to hire a single pro for a project or an entire team to scale your business, Upwork can help you reach your goals. And however you hire, Upwork is available to help you keep things running smoothly with 24-7 support, letting you stay focused on what matters, your business. Find the right talent for whatever your business needs at Upwork, the world's work marketplace. Learn more at www.upwork.com. All right, we are back talking again with Richard Medcalf about how to extract yourself from the weeds of your business so that you can think and work more strategically. And why is this important? Well, Richard is going to explain it better in just a second, but I will say one of the reasons is because you just can't be fully present. You can't give your whole brain to your tasks when you are stretched so thin and doing so much. And in fact, this episode is going to be a small representation of that because, I mean, I couldn't even get out of the weeds of my life while talking to Richard. That's what I love spending my time doing. That's fantastic. Hey, I'm sorry. I have a text from my kid's friend. If I could bring the kids back this way around 1230. Oh, I am sure you can feel my pain on that. Is there ever a moment to focus? Truly, even just a moment? Also, you might have noticed audio quality, totally garbage. Why? Because I plugged my microphone into the computer to talk to Richard, but then didn't click the right setting. And so it never actually pulled the audio from the microphone. And I am sure the reason for that is because I was doing something up until the second where I was talking to him and I didn't have the time to think about it. And anyway, what a great illustration. So now with all of that out of the way, let us hear how leaders get into this problem in the first place. So I see it all the time at all levels and organizations. Some of my clients are CEOs of $3 billion organizations. Some of them are running startups or high growth companies. Other of them, you know, sometimes I'll run programs with mid-level managers, but everybody has this issue. And I call it the infinity trap. The infinity trap is basically the world we live in is infinity. You've got infinite emails, infinite social media, people to meet, content to consume. And the more you interact, the more emails you do, the more people you speak to, the more the more you <laughs> comes back at you. So we're truly in infinity. Very relatable. Yeah. And that's what we that's what how we, we feel these days. And most people try to beat that by hitting on productivity, right? By working harder, trying to cram more in and go faster. And of course, the two problems with that, first of all, at some point, we hit the ceiling of complexity where there's no more hours in the day and we're on the hamster wheel can't go any faster and we're just wearing ourselves out. And also when you're in that world, you feel focused in one sense, you feel distracted in another sense. But actually, even if you're super focused, you've got tunnel vision because you can't see the thing which is just over to one side because you've not got the time. You can't pause and you can't go back. And so that's what I see all the time with my clients. They're running great businesses. They're making a lot of things happen. But actually this tunnel vision has created a kind of incrementalism they can't see the big leaps anymore. And that's really what I help them with. I'm going to add one more to your diagnosis because I'm curious what you think, because I think this is my problem. Not that we're here to solve my problem in particular, but <laughs> I think that leaders didn't start as leaders. They started somewhere else in the food chain. Right. And so the thing that they know is to drill in and do. And the thing that they don't really know is how to get above it and think strategically because it's not what they've done for the most of their career, it, even if they've been a leader for a very long time. And so it is a mode that they don't know naturally how to switch into and they don't 
know how to let go of the thing that they have spent the most time doing. Am I right? Yeah, that's a great, great way of putting it. I, I would describe it as reinventing your success formula. And mm. what gets got, what got us there is generally based on ability to solve the problem. That very skill is now making us a bottleneck. And that's what's creating the overwhelm. So I love to say, rather than solve the problem, you need to start to, which is basically trying to go fast. You need to then build momentum instead, which is building the team, removing bottlenecks in the system and these other things. And all that requires a new level of thinking. Okay, let's dig into it then. You have laid out four shifts that you think people should make. The first one is to stop trying to free up time, which sounds pretty counterintuitive. I feel like the first thing that somebody would want to do after facing this problem or hearing us diagnose the problem is to try to figure out how to free up time. So what do you mean? Well, this one comes up a lot. I spoke to two leaders today, the, the, the sales leader of a, of, a, of a global sales organization and a CEO, and both of them had this issue. They were both saying, I know I need to spend more time actually focused on some key high-level customer conversations, and I'm getting snarled up in internal meetings. And when they were thinking about how they were going to solve that, they were like, yeah, we've got to get more efficient. You know, we've got to like drive the processes and systems and so we can free up some time so I can go and do this client stuff. And I said, look, your net's never going to happen. You're never going to get to a stage where all the internal stuff rolls back, no matter how efficient you get, letting you work on these high-value activities. It's the infinity situation. It's just going to flood back in. And so instead of trying to free up time from all that stuff, decide to free up time for something else, for seeing clients. Make that your priority. One of my, I have a podcast myself called The Impact Multiplier CEO. And on that show, I ask CEOs how they multiply their impact, how they've, how they've continued to grow and, and expand. One of the people who, who came on, who's also a client actually of mine, said he became a delegation master overnight. Hmm. And when I said, how did you do that? He said, well, it's very yeah. easy. My wife became seriously ill and went into hospital. So all oh, the excuses yeah. went out the window because I knew what I had to do in that moment was to care for her. And so when you have a really clear sense of what your highest value activity is, then you can free up time for that. But until you know what it is, you're just going to be stuck in the weeds. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. It's not stop trying to free up time. It's stop trying to free up time abstractly. It reminds me of a little visual metaphor that popped into my head a little while ago, which is that time is kind of like a balloon, which is to say that you can't expand the balloon and then fill it with air. But that's often how we think about time. We say, well, if only I had the free time, I would do this or that thing. If only I could create the time, I would do this or that. And the answer is that you will never just create the time, just like you can't expand a balloon. Both only happen because of pressure. Pressure expands the balloon when you push air into it, then it expands. And your time is in a way freed up when you put enough pressure on it that you have to start moving things around. I feel like that's right. a version of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, put the big things in first, right? And But actually get clear on what those are because often we are stuck in our old way of working. We're internal vision in the infinity trap and we don't. We just need to do more of what we're doing. Let's move on to number two. Examine your beliefs first. What does that mean? Yeah, so what it means is that you don't need a productivity hack. You need a mindset shift, Right? It's the mindset that, that determines what is possible, desirable, necessary, and everything else. And um, one story I like to tell was I was working with a bunch of leaders on a little program I run called the Executive Productivity Accelerator. And we were really helping them think about how are we going to free up a big chunk of time, you know, 
10 hours a week at least for the, these more strategic activities. And he was explaining, you know, oh, he could not, he could not do this. His team weren't quite at the right level. He had, he was running a finance and he had a lot of finance processes he had to deal with, you know, commissions for sales and payroll and all these things that he only, he knew the systems and it was so hard and everything else. And he explained all this and he figured out it was 30% of his time and all these things. And he was trying to think about how do I do this? And so I just asked him, I said, look, it sounds like you just, I mean, these things are important, but they're not going to make you CFO, right? Yeah. You're just keeping the lights on. And he says, yeah, I know, but they're really important, blah, blah, blah. So I said, look, you're being the high-performing janitor. I mean, you are <laughs> like wiping those floor tiles down to perfection, right? They're really clean, they're sparkly, but there's a whole business to run, right? So you've got to get to your next level. This is what you, this is what you did a year ago, two years ago. It's not what you need to be doing now. And once he got that click, he said, oh yeah, that is just keeping the lights on for the business. And actually my team, they've got all the, the why not? They, they, they can learn it just like I learned it. Yeah. He, he, he got rid of it in about two months and he was, went to his manager and he said, I'm ready for the next role. And he got expanded remit and everything else just because he had that one shift of, this is not who I am, what I need to do. That's a wonderful phrase, the high-performing janitor, and something that I feel like people should stick on their walls and then aspire to be able to take down. But it also speaks to a challenge that people might have trusting their team or believing that they're replaceable. Oh, yeah. Do you feel like part of this is that leaders just don't trust other people to do it as well as they do? Absolutely. Well, I mean, everyone's got their own things, right? I mean, everyone's got their own mental. That's definitely one of them. I mean, perfectionism is one of them. A lack of trust in another one. You know, fear of failure is another one. Yeah, there's a bunch of them, but they... A a hero complex. You know, I feel like I'll just, I will put this on my shoulders and I will carry this thing forward. It's It's a real sense of, in one way, duty to the project, duty to the team, but also misplaced because everyone else wants to do that too. They all want, everyone wants to be the hero. Let somebody else be the hero. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, this is who I am in, in whichever mm-hmm. variant of this this is. And I love to say, well, what happens if that's not you? Perhaps that's not you anymore. Perhaps your next level doesn't need that. And that's always this, this shift. It's often what happens with, you know, with my clients. It's like they, they've, they've got a thing that's work, worked really well for them. They've got a great resume. People very impressed at them, but it's actually holding them back at this point. I'm going to spend one more moment on this before moving on to the next one, because as I'm thinking back to the thing that you said at the very beginning, which is that you don't need a productivity hack, you need a mindset Mm -hmm. shift. I think about how much people love productivity hacks. They love them, Richard. They love them, which is why when we run stories on entrepreneur.com about productivity hacks, people are so into it. And when I speak, when I give talks, people's questions are often... Mm -hmm seeking my own productivity hacks. How do you do this? How do you do that? And I mean, I I remember noticing that even before I got into this line of work and I I was more in the kind of writing and literary world purely, and I would go to see these authors read their novels. And then afterwards there'd be a Q and A session and people would raise their hands. And the questions were always like, do you use a pen or do you use a pencil? <laughs> yeah. Do you write at 9.30 in the morning or 10? Because they think that there's some specific little thing that they can do yeah. in order to make everything work. People love productivity hacks. So I would love for you to just knock that down. Can you tell me why productivity hacks are a bad way to think, a bad thing to seek? Yeah, let me actually 
Yeah, I can weave this into actually one of the next points uh, because it really speaks to it. So there was a chief, well, a C-less suite executive that I was working with who just been promoted to the C-suite of a seven thousand person organization operating in twenty countries. He had a kind of a HR kind of people role. A very impressive guy being promoted by the CEO. And he was, I was asked just to help him kind of onboard and kind of really expand and kind of take full opportunity of this, this new uh, position he had. And we identified a few transformational projects for him to be working on, really big things that he'd already had, knew about. It wasn't me inventing them, but he said, yeah, these are the really big ones. If I can make those rolled out across the whole company, it's going to transform the employee experience. Fantastic. He started working on it, made a lot of progress. And then a few weeks later, he came to me and he said, you know, Richard, I'm get, not making enough progress anymore. I'm getting snarled up. All these emails are coming in. I'm just getting stuck in the inbox. I'm not really advancing these projects. Uh, I need a, can you give me a productivity hack? <laughs> right, basically, yeah, yeah. give me a tip. I said, right. you know what? If anyone asks me for a tip, I get worried really because you can probably Google it and you will have mm-hmm. to pay my expensive fees, right? Uh, so just like, just like somebody doesn't need to be the high-performing janitor, you don't need to be the very expensive tip giver. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, occasionally, obviously, I'll give people... I'll see something and I'll give them that, that input. But I'm always curious what's really going on here. So I said, well, tell me a bit more about this. And he explained, well, you know, he's in his email and trying to get to inbox zero, be responsive. I said, well, why do you need to be so responsive? And he said, well, it's important because, you know, I, I want to be uh, trustworthy and reliable. I want to be a team player. I don't want to be that guy, you know, everyone's waiting for to get on with their own projects. I've, I've been there. It's really annoying. I, I don't want to be that guy. So I said, look, at this point, there's nothing I can do to help you. What do you mean? Well, you've just said that getting your inbox clean is, is, is being reliable trustworthy and a team player right i'm not going to tell you to be unworthy and untrustworthy unreliable not a team player so but answer me this if the ceo was in the room with us what would he be asking to do oh well he wants me to do these transformational projects what about the investors oh well yeah them too because it's going to make a difference to the the bottom line what about the employees themselves oh well yeah they're desperate for more modern environment and less admin what about the clients? Well, same thing. I mean, they don't really know about the project, I guess, because it's internal, but it's going to really free up our team to work with them. So they're going to be for, for that as well. So we went through a few of these stakeholders and I said, so what you're telling me is that pretty much all, all your stakeholders, what they really want you to do is to be focused on this, these two or three transformational projects that you're driving. Yeah, that's right, Richard. Ah, so let me put it to you that when you're in your inbox, you're actually being unworthy, unreliable, <laughs> right? And not a team player because you're not doing what you're getting paid the big bucks to do which is to be strategic and to focus on what matters and suddenly he got it this is a mindset shift and at that point he was like oh that's it he didn't need then for me to explain how to do a set up a google filter on his gmail or (laughs) you know or whatever it was because he'd got the identity shift and understanding of where his future really laid. And the reason that I was going to weave this into another point was is around one of my shifts is around working the room. Because at that point, he's almost got everything he needs, but he's not quite ready. He's got that shift. But to make it real, he then has to go and have a conversation with his manager, his boss, the CEO, with his peers to say, you know what? You know, you're used to me working and like responding within an hour to all my your emails. Well, I've got some big projects on right now. So I'm not going to be able to maintain that responsiveness. So probably you might have to wait for, you know, perhaps a few days or a week or whatever before I have time to kind of check in on on my inbox. Is that okay? Or, you know, perhaps to his his boss, he wants to say, if you need to get hold of me urgently, perhaps send me a message on my phone or whatever. And so by creating these agreements with key stakeholders, you work the room, I call it. You kind of have the influence that you need 
to make these changes and free yourself up. Because everybody else in the system is expecting the same old you, delivering at the same old level, doing the same things. So when you pull back from meetings, cancel things, become a bit less responsive in other areas because you're focusing on the stuff that matters, other people are going to react. So get ahead of the curve. It's like when you're um, on a diet or decide you want to do some more exercise, often if you don't negotiate that with your family, it's a problem because they'll keep feeding you the cream cakes and the glasses of wine, or they'll complain when you want to head out in the morning on a run because you haven't agreed with them up front. So working the room is that shift that's so important. Going to take a short break and then come back with more with Richard. Want to be your own boss in the fast-growing $20 billion tutoring industry? Want to help kids? Then become a Huntington Learning Center franchisee. As a Huntington Learning Center franchisee, you joined the nation's number one K-12 tutoring and test prep provider with a proven system that works. The Huntington Advantage includes low startup expenses and an award-winning team dedicated to your success. No education experience needed. In today's environment, the need for tutoring has never been greater. Take the next step. Learn how you can join Huntington and have a lucrative and rewarding future. Call Huntington today at 1-800-653-8400 or visit HuntingtonFranchise.com. Again, call 1-800-653-8400. All right, we're back. So we have made our way through two of the four items on Richard's list about how executives can extract themselves to focus more strategically. Now let's keep going. You've moved into our third here. Let's talk a little bit more about that. How do you have those kinds of conversations with people? You know, the advice of working the room is based on, as you had described, renegotiating your agreements with people. Where does that conversation start? So I think it will depend on whether you're managing upwards, across and down, and you probably need Mm -hmm. to work on all of those. So some people, you can probably just announce that from here on you know, due to heavy workload, I'm going to not be able to attend all these meetings or whatever. Other people, you're going to need to kind of actually set the scene and say, look, in order for me to serve you or the organization to my highest level, right, I really need to focus in on these key projects right now. What that means is I think we need to kind of rethink how we do whatever it is, the number of meetings I attend on this project or how long I attend those meetings for or how easy, you know, how often we speak or whatever it is you need to do. But you kind of have to kind of start to open up that and build an agreement. So normally we don't create agreements around these things. We just kind of assume or people just invite us and we just just create a norm and we haven't actually explained why we're doing it. And if we want to change it, we need to need to do we need to say why we're changing it probably what's in it for them if we can and then actually say you know would this be okay for you and if it's really not okay then you can kind of get curious well what's going on how could we how could you know i get a bit more time back in my diary but you also get what you need and it's a bit of a a bit of a dance right but the idea is you'll get to the point where where actually you can shake on it and at that point you're good to go you haven't got any more tension you're not feeling guilty you're not feeling that you're trying to hide anything with your key stakeholders you've actually re-established a new baseline the thing that really jumped out to me about that answer was you saying that you outline what they get out of it, or at least what the core purpose of this shift is. It's not just saying, hey, you know what? I think that it's time for me to go to less meetings. What you're saying is there is a goal. We have a shared goal here. That goal is whatever it is. My purpose here is to achieve this goal. Our joint purpose is to make sure that that goal is achieved. 
I have a plan for how to achieve that goal, but it requires shifting the way that we work together. And at that point, the shift that you're describing comes at the end of this delivery. Right. Right. It is, uh, it's not you trying to boss things around. It's really you saying, look, I've, I've identified a way in which I can be more impactful, but it is going to require this. And that sounds like an easier way to deliver something that you might be uncomfortable delivering. It's uncomfortable to say, Hey, look, this is what I need. I need to change something. But if you start by saying, look, this is the goal and this is what I want to do. and We both want to do it. Then the change just becomes the necessary action to get there. There we go. Yeah. Well said. Now let's move on to the last one, which you call acceleration, not speed. So what's the difference? Yeah. So again, we touched on this a little bit earlier, which is that as a leader, we love to go fast, solve the problem and do what it takes just to achieve what's on that plate right now. Acceleration is to think about uh, rather than using time, how do I invest time? So using time is the things we have to do every day, every week, every month, every quarter, every year, every time we get a new customer or a new project, whatever the trigger is, every time we have a new podcast to record, you know, whatever it is, right? There's a certain number of things that we have to do. And then we're using our time. It's keeping the lights on activity, actually. And that does not get us to the next level, right? So instead, you need to be thinking about, well, how do I actually invest time in things which are going to make everything else easier? How do we invest? And it might be in new capabilities, new new processes, new tools, new relationships. But it's the things which are going to help you up level. I had a, a colleague who applied this to the world of his, his IT setup, which is very basic. But he's, he, it, was a, it was in the days when we had, when every iPhone release was like a super big deal and you had queues all around the, you know, the, the miles and everything. And he always had the latest gadgets. And I was always like, really? Is it really that important? And he said, well, it's like this. I hate home improvement, he said. So I only buy a cheap $2 hammer whenever I need to do anything. And it falls apart after I've hit the nail about 10 times, but it's fine. I've done what I needed to do for the year. But if I was a carpenter, I would buy the most <laughs> expensive hammer I could find, the $100 hammer, right? The one that's got shock absorbers and, you know, and titanium reinforcement or whatever it is, because that's the tool of my trade. And for me, IT, you know, my computer setup is the tool of my trade. I'm a knowledge worker, so I would need the absolute best. So it's a minor and minor point, but is the idea of investing in something which is going to make everything else easier. When it comes to leadership, it's not necessarily about the size of your computer monitor, though it might help, right? But <laughs> but it's it's also around, yeah, it's like, what's the relationships that I need to be built to allow me to achieve everything that we need to be achieving? What's the capabilities in the team? That's in my leadership team. How well are we operating? So these kind of key improvements level everything else up. And that's why I talk about focus on acceleration and rather than just trying to get the next thing done instantaneously. The next thing done and the next thing done. Exactly. Richard, those are four really valuable shifts. And what I take away is that, well, look, so there's certainly no easy answers here. This is not quick fixes. These are not productivity hacks. As you say, these are really systematic rethinkings of how you work so that you can get to the purpose of your work. A lot of this is about having confused what you think is important with what is actually important. Because once you focus on what's actually important, then some of the actions that you take and the ways that you work don't get you there. And what is required is a full evaluation of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Is that a fair takeaway? Yeah, exactly. So productivity hacks the information, right? But what I realize is that it's actually more of a transformation that we're looking for. And that's why I came across it. I mean, I've always been interested in this kind of area, but it was in my 
work with executives that I realize this is actually a transformation. It's a coaching challenge as much as it is a, an informational challenge, right? It's a transformation of who we are and the way we think that, that, lets, that makes all the productivity hacks actually work, if you like. So Richard, how can people learn more? So a couple of places, obviously, if you like podcasts, which I guess you do if you're listening to this, then you can check out the Impact Multiplier CEO uh, podcast where I interview different CEOs around how they've made the impact themselves. And if you're interested in this topic in particular of um, freeing yourself up for strategic activity, I have a, a little email course free email course of about six or seven emails on this exact topic. And we really go through a framework that structures um, how you can move forward on these different areas that we've talked about. So that's an obvious next step. And you can go to um, my website, which is xquadrant.com forward slash solvers. And that'll take you directly to sign up for that course. Nicely done forward slash solvers. I love it. Well, Richard, thank you so much for all this great insight and for reaching out with such a great subject and so much good advice that I couldn't say no. (laughs) It's been a pleasure. It's been a fun conversation. So thanks again for having me on. And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.